You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. She was blind, but she could see God. I'm speaking of Fanny Crosby, born in the early 1800s. She lost her sight as an infant because of an infection in her eyes that was probably mistreated in that time. And so she grew up without physical sight. She had a godly grandmother who influenced her greatly. And under her grandmother's tutelage, Fanny memorized numerous books of the Bible as a youth. She memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. She memorized... All four Gospels, she memorized the book of Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, and multiple Psalms. But even though she had memorized large parts of the Scriptures, even though she had a religious background and great biblical knowledge, Fanny did not know Christ as Savior until 1849, when she was 31 years of age. Cholera swept across New York, and it swept across her school, the New York Institution of the Blind. And during that outbreak, many of Fanny's friends died. One night, Fanny dreamed of a friend who appeared close to death. He asked her in the dream about her eternal salvation. When she woke up, she felt unsettled and began attending numerous church services. And finally she came to a place in her spiritual journey where she invited Jesus into her life to be her personal Lord and Savior. She received at that moment in her life assurance of her salvation. And that moment, that conversion propelled her into a career of writing hymns. Fanny Crosby wrote over 8,000 hymns. Including well-known hymns like Blessed Assurance. To God be the glory. He hideth my soul. Jesus, keep me near the cross. I am thine, O Lord. Blessed Redeemer, all the way my Savior leads me. My favorite. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Rescue the perishing. And she wrote a song called Safe in the Arms of Jesus. And in that song, listen to one of the verses in that song. Take the world, but give me Jesus. 
Listen to this next line. Let me view his constant smile. Then throughout my pilgrim journey, light will cheer me all the while. She was physically blind. But spiritually speaking, she saw God clearly. She saw God in all of His glory. She knew Him intimately and worshipped Him passionately. And the question arises, thinking about her life. How can we see the Lord the way she did? How can we see God that clearly? And love Him and worship Him the way that she did? Well, the answer is found in the Beatitudes. Specifically, Beatitude number 6, found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. So keeping that in mind, would you turn with me to Matthew as we continue our study? through this introductory section to the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. When you found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Matthew 5, verse 8, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's pray together. Father, it is with great joy and anticipation that we come to this moment of studying your word. We ask, God, that in these moments we would understand the truths of Scripture. Open the eyes of our hearts and give us inclination, wherewithal, to respond to what you show us. God, I pray that our Monday will look different because of what we studied on this Sunday. Move in our midst, Lord, by your grace, for your glory. Transform us. Lord, as we gather here to worship, as we gather here to study your word, we're mindful of of all that's going on in our world. Honestly, Lord, our hearts are heavy. As we think about perhaps, Lord, situations in our own personal lives, As we think about conflict, war going on in the world, there's so much happening right now. And it reminds us that we need you. Lord, we do today pray for the peace of Jerusalem as instructed in Scripture. God, we pray for peace in that region We pray for a ceasing of hostilities. God, would you just move in that situation? We pray for the protection of Israel. 
you tell us in Genesis 12 that those who bless the descendants of Abraham, you will bless. And those who curse the descendants of Abraham, the Jewish people, you will curse. So Father, we, we pray that you'd watch over your people. And Lord, we are mindful that there are Christians in that area of the world right now, some that we know personally, that are there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with Jews, with Arabs, people there sharing the hope of Jesus. I pray for their protection. And God, I pray that you would just open wide doors as people experience desperation. Lord, open doors wide so they can speak of the peace, the life, the joy, the salvation that's found in and only in Jesus. God, I pray at this moment the gospel would go forth in that area of the world in a mighty, mighty way. May Jesus be exalted. And Father, we ask that you would cause your hand to rest upon this service. We need you. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We exalt you. We adore you. And we lift this prayer up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. As we've studied the Beatitudes, we, we've seen how these, these blessings are attached to characteristics. And these characteristics are characteristics that should be true of citizens of the kingdom of God. Those that have stepped into the kingdom through Jesus. Those who know the king should experience growth in these different areas of their life as they live out these different attributes. And Jesus says, as we live out these attributes or characteristics, there is a blessing attached to that. That's why we've given you that one-sentence summary of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are characteristics of kingdom citizens that lead to true fulfillment in life. If you want to have true fulfillment in life, these characteristics need to be true of your life as a follower of Jesus. And we've made it to verse 8 where Jesus says simply but profoundly, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, there are two major issues that we encounter as we interpret this verse. Two theological challenges that we've got to grapple with if we're going to understand what this verse means and the import of this verse for our lives. So major issue number one is this. It's what I'll call the problem of the heart. The problem of the heart. Look what Jesus says. Blessed are the pure in heart. 
And we read that and we all ought to say, uh-oh, I've seen some impurity in my life. So how can we experience purity of heart? Well, first of all, you need to understand how this word heart is used. It's used all throughout the scripture to speak of the center of our being, our intellect, our emotions, our will. It speaks of our total inner selves, the hidden part of us, that which makes us who we are, as Jerry Bridges says. The heart stands for one's inner being, the real you. That's your heart, the real you. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. Now, as we think about this call to purity, we need to think about the realities of the human heart. Honestly speaking, what the Bible says about the condition of the human heart is not very encouraging. For example, over in Genesis chapter 6, sin had entered the world and began to spread throughout humanity. Everyone that was born from the moment that sin entered the world, was born with a sin nature, a, a fallen nature. Because of that, they did evil deeds. And before God sent a worldwide flood, Genesis 6, 5 says this, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, listen, and that every intention of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. God looked at the broad expanse of humanity. He looked at their heart and he saw evil. He saw impurity. He saw wickedness. Over in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9, the heart is referred to by these words. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know, we have these movies and, and celebrities. And they say things like, follow your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. The Bible says the heart will lead you astray. The Bible says we can't even understand what's going on in our heart. That's what the Bible says. And it gets even worse. Listen to what Jesus said about the heart in Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. Jesus said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Jesus says everything evil in our lives, everything sinful in our lives has as its source our corrupt hearts. That's why we sin. Because our hearts are wicked and far from God. And originating from our heart are all sorts of evil, ungodly behavior. You might say it like this. We are all born with a sin nature. We all have 
spiritual heart disease. This is what the Bible says about the human heart. So you think about that and you hold it up to what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Blessed are the pure in heart. (laughs) How in the world can you and I ever achieve a purity of heart if our hearts are such a mess? Well, if we're going to experience what Jesus talks about here in the Beatitudes, there are two things we're going to need. How can we have a life characterized by purity of heart? Number one, we need a new heart. (laughs) We need a new heart. Our old corrupt heart is full of sin and we can't fix it. We can't change it. We can't clean it up. We need a heart transplant. We need a new heart. In a very encouraging way, The Old Testament talks about God's plan for humanity. He says very clearly that that His people had turned against Him. They had rebelled against Him. They had not taken the first covenant He made with Moses at Sinai seriously. They had rebelled against His will and His way. He gave them ten commandments and they broke every single one of them as we do too. And so God says in the Old Testament, you failed when it came to the first covenant. So I'm going to enter into a new covenant. And the new covenant is this. I'm going to provide a way for you to be forgiven of all your rebellion against me. All your sin, all your failure, all your wickedness, all your evil. I'm going to make a way for you to be forgiven. And we know that way is Jesus. God sent His only Son to come to this earth and die on the cross for the sins of the world, taking our sin and shame on Himself and paying the penalty that we deserve to pay. Jesus paid it all. Amen? God made a way for us to be forgiven for rebelling against Him. But not only that, the new covenant is Forgiveness, your sins washed away. But the new covenant is also God giving you, listen, a brand new heart. You say, really? Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. The Lord speaking, I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. A heart that's responsive to my will and to my way. Part of the new covenant that's found in Jesus, ratified by Jesus, accepted through Jesus. Part of that new covenant is we get a brand new heart. That's good news, right? A spiritual heart Transplant a brand new heart. And that happens the moment we believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. For me, that was when I was nine years of age. My pastor shared the gospel with me. I heard the good news. I knew I needed a Savior. I called on the name of Jesus. And at that moment, my sins, past, present, future, were washed away. They were forgiven. And at that moment, I was given a brand new heart. 2 Corinthians 5 says it like this. 
if anyone is in new, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away. God has made us new. A new heart. So if you're going to experience the purity of heart that Jesus talks about, first of all, you've got to have a new heart. You've got to be saved. That's step number one. It's important to understand what happens when we are saved. You know, a lot of people think that, that, um, that, that salvation is like having your home pressure washed. All the dirt's knocked off, right? And it looks clean and bright. And that's, that is true. When we are saved, the, the, the dirt, the filth, the shame, the sin, it's, it's washed away by the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness, that's good. But also, it, it's like having your home pressure washed while also redoing all the wiring in your house. On the outside, on the inside, everything is New. That's what salvation is. Sins washed away and given a brand new heart. So how can we have a life characterized by purity of heart? First of all, we need a new heart. And that's found in Jesus. Secondly, we need a clean heart. We need a clean heart. When we are saved, we are given a new heart, a new nature. And we enter into a process called sanctification whereby we are being transformed into the image of Christ. Sanctification is a lifelong process where God changes us from the inside out. And during that process of sanctification, even as believers, even with a new heart, sometimes we stumble and fall. We as Christians... Sin. We blow it. We fall short of God's standards and God's commandments. We disobey. We do our own thing. We let our priorities shift. We get distracted by life. And we sin. And we get some, some dirt, some impurity in our heart that we must deal with. And that's why God grants us the grace of confession of sin. We have this remarkable this remarkable um, way that God gives us to deal with our sin as Christians. Our sins have been forgiven, paid for by Jesus at the cross. No longer held against us. We're going to heaven, not hell. Our sins have been completely washed away. But when we sin as Christians, it disrupts our fellowship, our closeness to God. And it pollutes our hearts. So even as Christians, with a new heart, there come times in our lives we need to ask for cleansing. Confessing our sin before God. David did it. Do you remember that David was called a man after God's own heart, and yet we find him guilty of adultery and then murder to cover up his adultery? He rebelled against God, and God confronted him with his sin, and David. David loathed his sin and repented of his sin. And in Psalm 51.10, he, he cries out, 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. As wicked as David's behavior was, he understood that he could come to God for fresh cleansing. Create in me a clean heart, O God. If you are a Christian, you don't need a new heart. You've been given a new heart. If you're a Christian, though, sometimes you need a clean heart. Over in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Apostle John writes, If we confess our sins, He, the Lord, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, listen, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When our heart begins to be polluted with stuff, sin, impurity, wickedness. If we'll go to the Lord, cast our sins before His throne of grace, recognizing they are sin, recognizing we need cleansing, the Bible says He will cleanse us new and fresh. Do you remember... Jesus' conversation with Peter in John 13. Jesus was getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. You're, you're Jesus. You're not going to wash my feet. And, and Jesus uses this as a teaching opportunity. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. In other words, spiritually speaking, you need to be washed. You need to be cleansed of your sin. And, and Peter says, well, if that's the case, wash my whole body. He gets it. And Jesus says, Peter, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. You've been saved. Your sins have been washed away. But sometimes your feet get a little dirty. And your feet need to be washed. That's a picture, I believe, of a Christian needing a cleansed heart. We've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We've been forgiven of all of our sins. But sometimes our feet take us down the wrong path and they get a little bit dirty and they need to be washed. That's what's true of our heart. So you go back to this beatitude. Blessed are the pure in Heart. You say, how in the world, how in the world can I be pure of heart? Is that even attainable? Is that achievable? And the Bible says, yes, but you need a new heart. When your heart gets some impurity in it, you need to confess it so you can have a clean heart. And that's the purity of heart that Jesus is speaking of here in this passage. So the first theological challenge is this. Blessed are the pure in heart, but our hearts are, are corrupt. We need Jesus and we need cleansing as Christians when we stumble and fall. Oh, by the way, quick question. Practical application. When was the last time... You spent some time confessing your sins before the Lord. Just taking an inventory of your life and saying, Lord, there's some stuff in my heart 
that needs to be dealt with. Maybe it's an attitude, an action, something you've said, something you've thought, something you've done. Maybe it's a, in a relationship. But whatever it is, when was the last time you said, God, I have blown it. I've sinned. And I want you to clean up my heart. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. When's the last time that you confessed your sins before the Lord and asked Him to cleanse you? So first of all, there's the problem of the human heart. The second theological challenge here that we need to understand or deal with is the problem of seeing God. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says, for they shall see God. Now, immediately we begin to think about different places in Scripture. Places like 1 Timothy 6.16. that speaks of God alone having immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. What it says about the, the fullness of God's glory? No one can see it or has seen it. Exodus 33, 20, where Moses says, Show me your glory. The Lord says, You cannot see my face. You can't see the fullness of who I am. For man shall not see me and live. Thomas Lee, the New Testament scholar, says, The blinding glory of God renders him unapproachable both metaphysically and morally. He is light in him. There is no darkness at all. He is glorious. The Bible says you can't can't see God in his glory and live. So what in the world does it mean when Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. What does it mean to see God? Let me give you a couple answers to that question. Here's what it means. When you become a Christian, you get a new heart. And when you stumble and fall as a Christian and you ask for cleansing, He makes your heart clean. He makes your heart pure. And without the pollution of sin in our lives, listen, we see God's nature more clearly and come to love Him more dearly. That's what it means to see God. You know, if you've been to some of the the major cities in our country or in our world, most of them deal with some level of pollution. And, and, and when pollution is high, it reduces your visibility. And when you've got some pollution in your life as a follower of Jesus, it reduces your spiritual visibility. But when we have a new heart and then ask for a clean heart, that pollution is taken away. And we see God clearly. We understand who He is in an ever-increasing way. We see Him more clearly, and here's the result. We come to love Him more dearly. That's what it means to see God. You say, really? Listen to Hebrews 12, 24. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
If there's not a, a growth in holiness, if there's not a, 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 an, an advancement in your life towards a purity of heart, you will not see the Lord the way that those who are holy do see the Lord. There's pollution, there's spiritual fog. You know God's there, and, and you have this kind of vague feeling that you ought to be more serious about Him, but, but he's, He seems distant from you. Yet those who experience a purity of heart, they see God clearly and fall more deeply in love with Him. Craig Blumberg says it like this, Holiness is a prerequisite for entering God's presence. The pure in heart pass this test. So they will see God and experience, listen, intimate fellowship with Him. Him. Here's what I believe. I believe there is another level of intimacy with God available to every single one of us in this room. Whatever level you're on, there's another level. And it deals with us pursuing this purity of heart. The more we experience a pure heart, the more we see God clearly and love Him more dearly. Listen, there is another level. The question is, do you want to go to that level? Do you want to see God? Like this. I hope you do. I hope this week is a week where uh, you and I do some heart work. We evaluate what's going on in our heart. And if we need some cleansing, and we all do, we get before God. And say, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. I want to see you more clearly. The reality is, when we think about what it means to see God, that that now we see God through eyes of faith. But here's the good news, or the even better news. One day our faith will become sight. And we will see God with physical eyes. It's beyond our comprehension. It sounds almost too good to be true. But listen to 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-3. through See or behold what kind of love the Father has given to us or lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know, listen, we know that when He appears, when Christ comes back, we, His children, those that are Christians, we shall be like Him. Perfect. Our sin nature eradicated. No more sin, no more guilt, no more shame, no more Satan. The Bible says, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope 
in him purifies himself as he is pure. And I want to show you one more passage. We'll close. Turn to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Last book, last chapter. If you get to the maps, you've gone too far. I'm sorry, I love that joke, and I say it all the time. Revelation 22, verse 1. This is a vision that God gives John on the Isle of Patmos of what heaven's going to be like, the new heavens and the new earth. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will be nations in heaven. People from every tribe, every tongue, every language. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. Now look in verse 4. Don't miss these next five words. They will see his face. Our faith will become sight when we get to heaven. We will see His face. Can you imagine the rapture, the joy of that moment? Joy inexpressible and full of glory. They, you, me, they... We'll see his face. That's the promise for the Christian. And so there's a spiritual sense in which we see God in the here and now. As we know Jesus, our hearts are new. We ask God for forgiveness when we fail him. We confess our sins. He cleanses us. As we experience that that daily purity of heart, we see God more clearly, love him more dearly. But as Christians, one day we get to see his face. Not through eyes of faith, but with our real, physical eyes. Remember Fanny Crosby? Writer of over 8,000 hymns. She's one of my favorites. She was one of my mom's favorites. When mom passed away, she asked that we sing all Fanny Crosby hymns at her funeral, and we did. She was blind, but she could see God. And listen to this quote that she made about her future in heaven. Fanny said, If I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my Blessed Savior. Fanny Crosby was blind. But she could see God. Blessed are 
the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.